Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday, and welcome back to episode 395 here on The Daily Grind. Thank you so much for tuning in here. If you're new to the show, I have to tell you, what changed my life has been changing my behaviors, routines, and habits. And I learned this from watching and listening to other successful people whom I considered mentors. So with this show here on The Daily Grind, I interview those mentors and get into how and what behaviors, routines, and habits they use to teach others how they can improve themselves. Today on the show, we sit down with Svanika Balasubramanian. Now, this episode was one of the most impactful episodes on me as the host. You guys are going to absolutely love it. It's going to open your eyes to the amount of plastic you are using on a daily basis and what is that? what that is doing to our world. Hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure you have a pen, piece of paper, sit back, and really dive deep in episode 395 here of The Daily Grind. Enjoy. Whether you have a business or are starting a business, you are going to need a website. I recently have been using Wix to create my brand new site, and it's been super easy and looks so professionally done. Like I said, this is the first site that I've ever created by myself, whereas in the past I've had to pay someone to build it for me. But now I just love how Wix has allowed me to customize it to exactly how I wanted it to look and feel. If you're super creative, you can design it from complete scratch, or if you're more like me, you can start with one of their many templates, which gives you a solid base to build off of. And then from there, everything's automatically optimized to any device, desktop or mobile. Honestly, it's been so easy and anything that you don't know how to do and I didn't know how to do, there's support and videos there to help me. To make this even better, they have built-in SEO, so you don't need to be an expert in SEO to make sure your website gets noticed online and you don't have to pay someone copious amounts of dollars to do it. Now, of course, I'm not just gonna rave about this and not share it with you. So, if you or someone you know wants to create an amazing website, all you have to do is go to wix.com forward slash podcast where you can get started for 10% off today. Again, Daily Grind listeners, all you have to do is go to wix.com forward slash podcast. That's wix.com forward slash podcast. Welcome back here, everyone. Today on the show, as I mentioned, we sit down with Svanika Balasubramanian, who is the founder of Repurpose Global, a social enterprise building a community of conscious consumers, workplaces, and brands going plastic neutral. Repurpose is building one of the world's first plastic credit platforms with the goal of eliminating ocean plastic and empowering marginalized waste workers in developing countries. Hailing from Oman in India, Svanika is the 2018 Wharton grad from the University of Pennsylvania and is passionate about pushing ahead the charge for our future circular economy. Everyone's a super important podcast. Be sure you are tuned into this. Really listen at the end of this episode. I really all want you to make a conscious decision to be better. So without further ado, everyone, please meet Svanika. Well, Svanika, welcome to The Daily Grind. How are you today? I am good, Colin. Uh, thank you so much for having me on here. It's such a pleasure. Of course. We're, uh, we're super excited that you're here. 
And uh, Svanika, if you wouldn't mind, for some listeners kind of being first introduced to you, just speaking a little bit more of who you are and what it is that you do. Uh, yeah, of course. So who I am, uh, I guess it's always been a complicated question, uh, but I'm ethnically Indian. I grew up in the Middle East. Um, I was born to kind of this activist family that was always heavily involved in social activism and so on. And that's what I grew up with. Uh, but I went to business school and I, I did a brief stint um, on Wall Street. Uh, but right now, I guess uh, I'm a social entrepreneur and uh, I'm building the world's first plastic credit system uh, as part of my company, uh, Repurpose. So my co-founders, uh, Peter Yamdal and Aditya Saroya, we met while we were studying together at Wharton. Um, and we've been working on Repurpose um, for the last year and a half now. Uh, and well, well, our goal is to live in a world without waste. Our goal is to connect the right players and make sure that we divert plastic away from our oceans and in doing so, create employments and create stable livelihoods uh, for the marginalized sectors in the developing countries. Why are, were you so passionate about you know, getting plastic away for good, because I mean, plastic's everywhere. Um, so obviously, I think we all kind of understand that it needs to be reduced. But why were you so passionate about this? I think I, I kind of have a cliched answer to this. It's it's very movie-esque. Um, but so my co-founders and I, we actually first met as part of uh, a research project. Hmm. So Peter was uh, working on a thesis where he was writing. So Peter uh, is this Norwegian uh, Chinese guy uh, who went to Wharton with me. And it just so happened that we were paired to be each other's peer mentors and kind of peer evaluators. And uh, he was writing his thesis on the informal recycling sector in India. And I was just very intrigued by this whole concept and how, you know, there was this guy who had no connection with India really, but that was so interested in what was happening in the developing world. And so that's how we got connected. And one thing led to the other. And so all three of us decided to work on this thesis project together and it took on a life of its own. And so what we looked at was how plastic waste moved around the world, how recycling happened today, what the informal sector was, um, and really just try to understand the strengths and weaknesses of how our waste was managed in today's world um, in terms of a uh, market structure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there, there were just some... A lot of surprising things there. For instance, we I always thought the United States was um, exemplary when it came to you know cleanliness or how waste would be managed or environmental standards. But it's quite shocking that only nine percent of plastic waste in the United States actually gets recycled. Wow. The remaining ninety-one percent actually gets landfilled, incinerated, or in the majority of cases gets shipped off uh, to countries like China and India and Indonesia and Vietnam. Well, China banned it recently, but all these other countries, uh, they become the rest of the world's dumping ground. So trash from Canada, the US, Europe, all of them kind of ends up in parts of Asia where the countries are struggling to deal with their own waste, let alone the rest of the world's. And so we were following this trail um, as part of this thesis, mm -hmm. and we ended up in Asia's second largest landfill. 
which is called Devnar. It's okay. on the outskirts of this bustling city uh, of Mumbai. And we kind of pulled some strings here and there, got ourselves uh, invited in for a visit. And I think it still remains perhaps one of the most um i guess memorable experiences of my life um but not in a good way because you're walking through this landfill and it's just buildings of trash rising up on either side of you it's just mountains and mountains and it smells terrible there are mm -hmm. flies everywhere there are dogs everywhere and then there are people who are working in there who are picking waste through that um dump looking for recyclable waste people who in this day and age have a life expectancy of less than 40 years wow. and 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 it and it's it's just something that really sticks with you and my co-founders and I we just had this moment where we were standing um in the middle of this landfill where we realized that we were not even standing on like sea level ground um, because we were standing on 15 feet of waste that had just been uh, paved over. And so yeah. just, it, it was underneath us, it was around us. And in, in the horizon, you could see this ballooning city. The population is increasing all around the world. People are, are you know, there's economic progress. People are consuming more, but what's happening to our waste as, as we consume more, it just ends up in places like these landfills and there are these really, really poor people who are left to deal with it. And so I think it was really that experience and on that rickshaw ride back um, when Repurpose really came into formation, when we, when it stopped being, I guess, a thesis for us and we said we want to do something about it maybe find the right market solution uh to to create an impact create a dent in this problem uh so i guess that's that's how things got started and that's where the passion really came from well wow. and you said that people who are working in the landfills only have a life expectancy of around 40 yeah, in, in a lot of cases. So the way I, I'll just give you a brief, yeah. I guess, overview of how the informal sector works. Okay. Um, and so when you have a private waste management company that's servicing your house, what they do is they come to your house, uh, they pick up your waste, you've probably sorted it out into, you know, your organic is separate, mm -hmm. your food waste is separate. And then you have your different single streams or uh, it's multi-stream. So they take it to their waste management facility, um, whatever has recycled value gets sorted out there and whatever doesn't uh, gets landfilled or gets incinerated or you know something gets uh, done with the remaining amount of waste and that's the entire supply chain but now what happens in a lot of developing countries almost every developing country that you go to is that there aren't enough of these formal structures to service everyone. And especially when you're talking about all this waste that's coming in from other countries, a lot of that doesn't get processed in a formal way. And a lot of that ends up in a landfill. And so you have this fringe economy that got set up around this, where people who were really poor and who were transient in nature, who were potentially homeless and didn't have many skills, they started to pick waste 
produced for a living. And what that means is they either go into these dumping yards, they go into these landfills, or even on the streets, and they find anything that seems to be of recyclable value. Mm. And they pick it, they have this bag slung across their shoulder, and they put it in, they collect all day. Um, and at the end of the day, they probably go back and sell it to one small dealer. And they make less than probably a dollar to $5 after an entire day's worth of work. Now, this dealer takes it all um, and he maybe segregates it into a few streams. So plastic separately, glass separately, metal separately, and then sells it on to another wholesaler who then does a little bit more segregation and sells it on to another wholesaler. And so this chain keeps building like a pyramid until you finally get to the recycling factories. Um, and these are the factories uh, where it's a very specific material that they take in and they recycle it and they make money out of it. And that's the part that's actually regulated. Now, everything before that is unregulated, which in a way, it means that it's exploitative in nature because um, there's no structures in place to guarantee any kind of uh, fair employment and fair wages for any of the people in between. And so there's rampant child labor. And a lot of these things actually happen in groups. So as the occupation became more prevalent, you started seeing these things uh, called waste picker colonies, mm -hmm. where groups of families would come and set up sites outside a dumping yard or outside a big housing society, wherever they could find waste. And they would live in these shacks and little children, old people, the men, the women, all of them together um, would be doing this. And this would be what they do day in and day out. And it, it's just extremely dangerous conditions and so as a product of both the dangerous conditions they work in where these landfills there's a lot of toxic chemicals when you burn waste that's very toxic for your lungs and so all of those hazardous conditions and as a product of their poverty where they don't have access to adequate health insurance and adequate uh, treatment plans uh, these two things combined means that in a lot of times you're seeing life expectancies as low as 30 as low as 37 years old um in these waste picker colonies wow so i mean you've been doing this for you said around a year and a half right mm -hmm, yeah. this is obviously a, a super important topic um knowing that because i mean there's a lot of people out there my girlfriend and i we do our best to not get plastic <laughs> she's <laughs> she sort of educated me on that over the last six years of the importance of it but then there's a lot of people that you see people just buy bottles of water and just throw it in the trash. I, f I feel like there's not enough education on this topic. Definitely. And I think the education and awareness part of it um, goes along several different lines because part of it is what products to buy. Mm -hmm. And then once you buy the product, it's how to consume it and how do you extend its lifetime. Um, and then once you're done using it, it's also how to dispose of it because a lot of people don't realize that even we put something in our recycling bin uh, doesn't mean it gets recycled because say you put a yogurt container which has a little bit of yogurt into your recycling bin you think now that entire bin full of products can get recycled but that little bit of organic contamination where perhaps a little bit of yogurt leaches onto other products now that entire bin is contaminated and it'll end up in a landfill so wow. even small things like that and you know perhaps the way your 
municipality or your locality does recycling might be different to where you were living um, and you move to a new place and you think it's the same way, but it's not. And all of these different places do it in very, very different uh, ways. And so you have to constantly keep getting educated uh, about these things on all three. So what to buy, where to buy it, how do you use it and how do you extend your life expectancy for that product? And finally, how do you get rid of it? How do you dispose of it in the most efficient, environmentally friendly manner possible? Um, and so that that's really something that's lacking. However, I do think that things are getting better. More and more people are waking up to yep. uh, this problem. And it's, it's honestly been quite reaffirming and quite optimistic to see the level of response we've been getting uh, for our solutions as well um, in, in this space. So I guess uh, just a little bit of um, an explanation there as to what Repurpose does. Um, what we do is we say, you know, rightly, as you said, plastic is extremely prevalent and it's everywhere mm -hmm. um but how what, what can you as an individual what can you as a brand or a business or a workplace do to take responsibility um and oftentimes that n number is so daunting and all of these facts and figures are just so big and it doesn't make any sense in your daily life um and so what we do every purpose is help you offset your plastic footprint and go plastic neutral in three very simple steps. So step number one, we help you measure your plastic footprint because really, you know, you can't change things if you don't understand how things are right now. Yeah. So we firmly believe that even if you're an individual thinking about your own life, if you're a family, if you're a workplace, an office, a consulting company, whoever you are, the first step is measuring your plastic footprint. And then say, Colin, um, we say your plastic footprint is a hundred pounds or a hundred kilograms. So the average American, for instance, has a plastic footprint of about uh, 200 pounds. Wow. Uh, and, and so that's that's the first step um, in, in the process. Now, the second step is where we say, OK, now you have this debt to the environment of, say, 200 pounds where you've put out that much plastic in a year um, out into the environment. Mm -hmm. And so we have a very transparent rate of about 25 cents a pound where we say so if you pay about $50 for an entire year, what we do is on your behalf, we go out into the world and we recover 200 pounds of low value ocean bound or landfill bound plastic waste and get it recycled. And you get credit for that because that is waste that would not have been picked up that is waste that would have ended up in our oceans if you hadn't made that offset payment if you hadn't made that choice uh, to do something about it and so you offset whatever the value of your footprint is and then step number three you have gone plastic neutral but then the next step is reducing your plastic consumption and so you get enrolled in this conscious living platform where for the next year for the next 12 months we send you bi-monthly tips and tools for you to in a very personalized way reduce your plastic footprint um, and that's really based on your measurements measurement tool data so we know where your consumption levels are high what your lifestyle is and so we try to guide you through this plastic reduction journey in as easy and as communal a way as possible so wow. that's uh i guess a quick overview of how repurpose works yeah i mean you've really made it was that a part of when you started this whole thing you wanted to make it as simple as possible for people 
it definitely i think was um our, our one of our biggest i think um points uh, to consider uh just because you know when we when you when we speak about these things a lot of times the numbers are just so daunting yeah that i think it invokes a level of hopelessness um mm-hmm. where you say things like eight million tons of plastic leach into our oceans every year but what does that mean um, how does that 8 million tons uh, play into your own life? And when that number is so big, um, oftentimes we think that one individual or one business uh, will have no real impact on, on, the, on the end, I guess, goal for the planet. And we wanted to change that. We wanted to say that every person is important, every company is important. And then the only way to do that is by zoning in on your personal footprint print and that's why i guess we made that front and center um and so you know any listeners today you can go on www.repurpose.global and measure your plastic footprint for free it takes three minutes it's a very engaging tool and at the end of it you also have the option to offset your footprint and go plastic neutral uh if you so choose which I hope everyone does. And it, it's funny because when you say it's small steps, like anyone who's built, any entrepreneur who's built anything, especially a big business, and you yourself can even you know, probably speak to this, Fanica, it's in order to build something, it takes a series of small steps to get there. It's not like you just wake up and all of a sudden you've made it. Like it's looking at it in that way for everyone out there, um, especially big businesses and small businesses, no matter what it is that you're doing, whether you're an athlete or an entrepreneur, or you're starting a business or doing something you want to lose weight, it starts with one thing and that builds up over time. So I think the message that you're sharing there is great. I think everyone can go to repurpose.global and check that out and learn more. Your story a little bit, Svanika, obviously, you know, you grew up in a household where your parents were both act social activists, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my grandparents and my great grandparents were freedom fighters in the Indian independence movement. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. What did, like, obviously growing up in that setting, did you always want to sort of step into something like that yourself? I, I did, um, and I think it was almost um, expected of me, especially mm-hmm. my granddad. I mean, he always spoke about it, and uh, it, it's what he lived and breathed, and he did a lot of work um, with abolishing the caste system. Well, it's still a work in progress, I guess, in India, uh, but he did a lot of work along those lines, and there, there was this um, poem that he always used to reference, uh, which is by a... Tamil poet uh, called Bharadiyar um, and essentially paraphrasing the poem it talks about how he you know they, they find this little baby bird of fire and they put it in a forest and they think it's such a small baby bird it's not gonna you know have any consequence um, but then they come back the next day and the entire forest of this old guard where you have these trees that have been standing guard over traditions and notions for a long long time have been burnt down and what it goes to say I guess um, you know like don't burn down trees that's not what it says uh, but what it means is that you know even if you if it seems like a small idea even if it seems like very tiny 
compared to these traditions and these cultures and the way things have been done for decades now, things can still change and we have the power to change that. Um, and I think that also goes to a little about what you were just saying, Colin, about all it takes is one small step uh, to get started. Yeah. And that's really, you know, I, I grew up here, here. I grew up hearing all of these things, um, these poems, these uh, kind of uh, little stories, anecdotes here and there, and then seeing um, them be put into action. Uh, so I think I always knew that that's something that I wanted to get into even when I grew up and when I wanted to find a career for, for myself. Um, I knew that it had to have an element uh, of something like that in there. And when you started a year and a half ago, Repurpose, how long did it take in order for things to really sort of, I mean, obviously you're doing important work, but how long did it take for things to really click and you see like, wow, like here's the impact that we can be making? A long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, it really takes a while. And I think when you get started about this, you're so excited uh, that you want to see results from day one and you just want everything <laughs> to course. fall into place just the minute you step in. Uh, but it rarely works like that. And I think that that was also just a good learning point for ourselves uh, to just be patient uh, about these things. Because when we first got started and we kind of started putting this uh, platform together, even for something as simple as having a price, having a rate for how much money it took to recover and recycle one pound of low value plastic, that number didn't really exist. There was no one unified number for it. You're going to fix the plastic problem if you don't even know how much it costs, but that number didn't exist. And so we had to spend really a few months um, looking at the supply chain, looking at the fixed costs, the labor costs, the social inclusion costs, things like healthcare and social security, um, and all of these different things just to come up with that number. And then once you had that number, then it was a matter of translating that into a way that people understood. And I think the thing with the global problem is that you need a global solution. And the thing with the global solution is that not everyone speaks the same language about the problem. Yeah. And so then the next problem for us was, well, we want to, we have clients in, in the U S we have clients in Europe, we have clients in the middle East and you know, I'm, I'm sitting in the middle East right now and we have clients in places like India, but all of them don't approach or see things the same way. And so, you know, we, we had to, I guess, make the solution that worked for everyone, um, but also work for, every kind of cultural nuance and you know there was always a level of uh subjectivity to it and so there were a lot of barriers around that that we had to work around and so it was really i think we started um a while back but by the time we had all of these fixed um it it, it was almost a year later that we said okay now we have a working model uh yeah. now everything makes sense people are buying into it uh people know what we're doing and there's traction and i think yeah it almost took a year for that to happen wow and that again shows small steps that built up throughout that year that you probably had to take that not a lot of people see probably a lot of people look at you and you know of where you are and oh year and a half they got started so quickly to get there and it's just it, it seems to never be that case even though sometimes it happens um it always takes time you have to put in the work and do the little things that that no one sees and when you do that, especially with what you're doing, it's really important work. 
outside of people visiting repurpose.global to go ahead and go plastic neutral, um, where's the best place they could say follow along on your journey? I think um, so. I am a little bit old fashioned. I don't have a Twitter yet. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, I know that's where everyone is right now. But yeah, but I think if you are interested in the sustainability journey in what happens to plastic, how the geopolitics of that works, um, for all of that, I think the best place is our blog. Uh, so we have a blog called Let's Talk Trash. Awesome. Um, and we talk trash and you can find us uh, through the website. Um, so you can go to repurpose.global and there's a section for the blog on there. You can go on that stock trash. We also have a very vibrant Instagram uh, community. Great. And so we put a lot of work into making good Instagram content. Um, a lot of very cool news articles, a lot of very cool tips and tricks that we put out there uh, for people to learn more about these issues and for people to be a part of it um so that's repurpose underscore global on instagram um and i think those are really good places to find more information amazing well i will share all these links you can go ahead and you know when, when you listen to an episode like this and if it's eye-opening as it is to you like it is to me don't ignore these things start by doing something don't just turn off the podcast and say oh we'll wait for next episode good story you have a chance here to make a real difference and like we talked about this whole episode your contribution helps so very much and now Svanika, the way we end the show here on the daily grind is we're going to give you the floor and you have the opportunity today to share with our audience the thought of the day so one thing or one thought we can all go home with today yeah, so Colin, um, I was going to talk about the importance of a small step, uh, but I think we've <laughs> covered a lot of it um, already, so I, I won't uh, rehash it. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, the importance is on the individual. The importance is on us demanding change in the world we live in. Um, and whether that be for sustainability, whether that be for any kind of equality, um, any kind of, you know, social issue that we care about, um, I think it really is kind of up to us to go out there and speak those things. But because we've, I guess, already like really quickly gone through that. I did have one more thing, I think. Great. Um, that was a little bit separate um, from, I guess, plastic and trash and um, the sustainability journey. Um, I think, you know, everyone romanticizes the entrepreneurial life a lot, mm -hmm. um, but it does have its fair shares of ups and downs and people talk about it very passionately but I think it's also important uh, to realize that there are also these kinds of lows and people say no a lot and there's all these downsides to it as well and so for anyone on this journey I think the most important thing is to have your little pockets of energy that you can kind of tap into whenever you feel drained out whenever you feel burnt out and it's kind of this you know source it's kind of this tap that you make sure it's constantly filled and that can be anything for you so for me um you know it's it's having these lunches with my co-founders where we talk blue sky the big vision these dinners where we go to the waste management facilities and the people that we've been able to give employment to and talk to them about how they're doing and get dinner with them and their kids 
Um, and I guess it's a pattern here for me about food. Uh, but I think <laughs> it's really just um, everyone having these little pockets of energy, uh, whatever they're doing in life, you know, whether it's a startup, whether it's your you know, job, you're writing a book, you're having your own podcast. Um, but I think, yeah, just I, it's really important uh, for us to keep ourselves um, aligned and keep ourselves in a very safe, good mental headspace. So I'm a big proponent of um, that balance and energy. <laughs> I love that message. And as you can see from this interview, everyone, success is driven by passion, hunger, and today purpose. Everyone has to overcome obstacles. Everyone has a story. Start building yours today. Today, we had the chance to speak with the amazing Svanika Balasubramanian. Well, Svanika, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule and coming on the show here with me this morning. Um, it, was, it was a pleasure, and I'm sure everyone got so much uh, value and information and education out of it. Thank you so much for having me as well. It's honestly been so great being here. Uh, and again, www.repurpose.global. Uh, hope to see you guys there. Absolutely. Everyone, be sure you visit repurpose.global. All the information is here in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Drop us a comment. Share this out with a friend everything helps. Thank you all so much for another amazing episode. We'll be back here tomorrow with episode 396 and always remember to keep on grinding. Yeah.